0: Live only on Netflix.
1: You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. We're doing later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Well, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the first full episode of Athletic Obscura, the podcast that is home with the weird, strange, and unknown in sports. My name is Seth Mormon. Across the table from me is my good friend, Richard Manning.
0: Hey, Seth. How you doing, everybody? Welcome. Good to be back. Uh, sorry it's been so long, but we're back now. Yeah,
1: yeah, it did take a lot longer than we wanted to get this first episode off the ground. But hey, Rich, here we are. Um, we've probably had conversations, what, a, a dozen times over probably, the last uh, yeah. month or so? Yeah. Get things yeah. Much-
0: much to the chagrin of our wives. That's true. Or the other yeah. people
1: that we've been around, but that's okay. Yeah. Life did get a little crazy, um, but uh, all that's in the rearview window, and we hope to have a new episode every month moving forward today. Uh, but Rich, I want to start with something interesting that's going to get us into our topic today. Um, Go for it. Something I've been sort of obsessed with as a child a little bit, um, and it really has come up to the forefront the last couple of weeks. All right. May... So last month, we're in June of 2021 as we are recording. So this May, is
0: correct. I had to think about that. Yeah, right? Yeah, what yeah. month
1: is it? May of 2021, ESPN reported Major League Baseball has given the Oakland A's permission to explore relocation.
0: Wow, that's, yeah.
1: Got kind of crazy. If you know a little bit of the history of the A's, you know they have been struggling to find a stadium.
0: Yeah. Well, I my history of the A's goes way back because, you know, my dad grew up in Philadelphia back when they were the Philadelphia Athletics. Right. So... He's still a big A's fan, and he lets me know every time they beat the Angels. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I have been to a game there in Oakland, and I felt I was going into a penitentiary. It's not not like the nicest, like, quaint place to go see a ballpark ball game that it, kind is of remi-
0: sure. it kind of reminds me of when the Padres played at Qualcomm Stadium in the old Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego
1: yeah but there wasn't as much barbed wire in that stadium this is true there's a lot more in Oakland but maybe that's because <laughs> of the other tenant who's been at that uh, place but that's not what we're talking about today so you know the the A's might be relocating they've been looking for a new stadium for a long time uh, and if the A's do end up moving that's going to put them into some elite company of professional sports franchises who played in four different cities.
0: Yeah, because right now we already mentioned Philadelphia, yep. and then they also had a stint, a uh, several-year layover in
1: Kansas City. Right, a layover is the yes. way to say it.
0: And, uh, yeah, that would tie them with uh, the Rams for a uh, – well, they moved four times, but they played in three cities. They started oh, out, right. They started in Cleveland, moved to Los Angeles, right. moved to St. Louis, and then moved back to Los Angeles, and they won one – NFL title slash Super Bowl in each city.
1: Fascinating. Yeah. I don't think I had put that together. Yep. That's amazing. Good stuff. Good yeah. Stuff.
0: And then uh, with that, uh, you then there's a team, you could say, moved four and a half times. Okay. Which is the, uh, you know them now as the Sacramento Kings. Got it. But they started way back in the day, in the late 40s, as the Rochester Royals. Okay.
1: Like New York, Rochester. Right? New
0: Rochester, New York, yeah. A lot of the old charter NBA teams. Uh, started off in
1: really small cities, yeah, Syracuse and a few others. This is not the episode yeah. for that, but yeah, 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 yeah,
0: exactly. yeah, exactly. Uh, then from Rochester, they moved to um, Cincinnati to play the Cincinnati Royals. That's where you see Oscar Robertson. Got it, and all that. And then they moved to Kansas City, Omaha, but so, those
1: the, both cities.
0: Yes, they actually played some of their games in Kansas City, some of the games I in think Omaha. I
1: remember a little
0: bit of yeah, that. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think like Nate Henry Archibald won the uh, MVP. During that year, Got during it. that time. Okay. They did that like three years. And then the, they, play, they They moved exclusively to Kansas City okay, and became the Kansas City Kings and then moved to Sacramento. And mm-hmm. they almost moved again, if you remember like three years ago, that uh, there was talk about them moving to Seattle or oh, even down right. to Orange County. Oh, that's right. But yeah. Kevin Johnson, who used to be an NBA player for the Phoenix Suns, Became the mayor of
1: Sacramento, uh, yeah. stepped in and saved the franchise, and they have a new downtown arena. Yes, all that stuff. Yep, exactly. Yep, and then,
0: but I'll do you one better. There's another team that moved that's played in five cities. Oh my
1: gosh, crazy! All right, so
0: the Atlanta Hawks. Yes. So follow me here. They started off in Buffalo as the Buffalo Bisons. Okay. Then they moved to Moline, Indiana.
1: Another Illinois? small city,
0: Illinois. Yeah, uh, sorry, not Illinois, Indiana. Only Illinois. Um, they became the Tri City Blackhawks. Okay. Um, so it's interesting. Another Blackhawks team out of Illinois. Sure. Then they moved to Milwaukee, shortened their name, and became the Milwaukee Hawks. Okay. Then they moved to St. Louis to become the St. Louis Hawks, <laughs> where they won their um, only NBA championships.
1: Oh, I saw something about that this week. Since the Hawks are kind of in in. Th- at the end of the uh, the NBA finals.
0: Yeah, and then they moved to Atlanta to become the Atlanta Hawks, so that's five.
1: That's crazy. This stuff fascinates me. I, I love this kind of stuff, Rich. Um, I uh, Depends on who you talk to, possible cities for the A's to land, uh, Portland, Oregon, um, Charlotte, Nashville, Montreal, Las Vegas, and what else were we talking about, uh, Raleigh-Durham? Raleigh-Durham,
0: um, yeah, as a possibility. I know there's a push to uh, get a team down there.
1: Yeah, what do you what do you think about their those cities, for um, the A's? Well,
0: Montreal, obviously, they have the the history, um, and I think they would actually support the team a little bit better this time around, uh, just because I think they would actually have a better stadium and yeah. something that's more conducive to baseball rather than.
1: But they got to be the Expos when they're there, right?
0: Oh, they have to be the Expos, of so, course. They so do. you'd have
1: to change names. Yeah, that's a, That's a whole interesting thing. All right.
0: Yeah, but then if they change back to the Montreal Expos. Do they retain the history?
1: Yeah, whose history they did they get to retain? That's a whole other ball. Yeah, that's a whole
0: yeah, that's a crazy thing.
1: Yeah, do they keep the do they keep the A's history? Do they pick up the Montreal history? Do the oh, anyways that's, Yeah.
0: But yeah, I also I don't know. I think uh Portland might be a good choice because uh Portland and Seattle have a nice, uh, fierce rivalry.
1: Yeah, the gold Cascadia rivalry right. stuff. Right.
0: And, um, you know, the, the rivalry between the Blazers and the
1: Sonics all those years ago were great. Well, the Cascadia Cup between the three MLS teams up right. there
0: is huge. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, that would be a great place. Um, you know, Nashville, Charlotte, uh, you know, they don't necessarily have a big um, Major League Baseball history, of course, but they do have great minor support. Well, the Nashville uh, the Sounds. The Nashville Sounds has been, been around for yeah. years and – uh
1: great scoreboard google it if you haven't seen their scoreboard it's great scoreboard all right and then you also have what the
0: charlotte charlotte cash i can't remember what their uh team name is i wanted to call them the checkers but that's uh the <laughs> carolina hurricanes uh
1: we'll figure it out so yeah
0: so yeah so well and of all those teams, i think montreal would be the preferred choice
1: yeah i could see montreal i could see definitely portland i probably think nashville's probably the most major league ready yeah. You know, of, of those, but they could go just about anywhere. Of course, it could all be leverage, you know. It could be leverage to get a deal done in Oakland. You know, the whole Howard Terminal project that they've been touting for a long time seems to lost a little bit of interest with the local government. Um, right before we started recording, I showed Richard some of the artist renderings of the Howard Terminal project, and what are your thoughts?
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it looks like a taco shell bowl, you know, like you get those, like, edible bowls. Oh, yeah. That you get... I like the sizzler salad bar or whatever, Ugh, gross. and uh, like some of it broke off, and all the salsa and hot sauce that you put in there just kind of ran out the front.
1: Yeah, it's not; it doesn't seem well laid out. There's just there's a whole green space thing. I, don't get me wrong; I like green space, but it was just kind of a interesting. It's an interesting whole thing. If again, that's another thing you can Google um, there. And as yet, well.
0: still, it looked better than the Memorial Coliseum. True. Yeah, or the Oakland Alameda Coliseum, I should say. Oakland Alameda
1: County Coliseum. Complex. With Mount Davis and Centerfield. Yeah. That doesn't – oh, that's ridiculous. Terrible. Terrible, terrible. Now, if the A's do leave, that's another blow to the city of Oakland. You know, recently they've lost, you know, uh, a couple of major sports franchises. Golden State Warriors, who played in Oakland forever, moved across the bay. And to a new new place in San Francisco. We all know probably, you all know probably the Raiders, you know, set up shop down the Death Star down uh, on the Strip in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are just recent, you know. You can go way back, uh, the Oakland Seals, California Seals of the NHL, you know, left town. You can go back to the ABA days, the Oakland Oaks left town, which surprisingly, they became the Virginia Squires after a couple of moves. That's where Dr. J played, but that's another whole thing. So. Yeah. But, yeah, so Oakland has had a had a hard time of it, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, they have, uh, but they aren't, I mean, they're a great modern case study as far as, you know, because they've had recent moves in the last couple of years and they could have a third one on the way. But if you really want to talk about because I know you are into the whole transient nature of sports Absolutely. teams, um, I would have to say you have to look at Baltimore as far as like the team the city that has suffered the most yeah. as far as this or has been affected the most by both teams in and out, I think in and you know. out and random stuff like teams disbanding in the middle
1: of a season. Not being able to be to play in the main stadium, yeah. because of issues, all sorts of things. Yeah,
0: and teams that actually existed twice.
1: <laughs> okay, I know you were going to tell me about that. I didn't research <laughs> that part. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, I do know. We'll we'll kind of get into the fact that the the city has a has a um, a Lombardi Trophy that no, that but a team doesn't have it. Yeah. It's a whole, there, It's you're right. It's absolutely crazy. But, Rich, before I ask you to tell me more, yes. we are going to take a quick break. All, all right? right. So hold on to that thought, and we'll be right back after this.
0: It's only a kick. A jump. A block.
1: Rich and I may be new at podcasting, but our podcast partner is not. We use Anchor.fm to host and distribute the Athletic Obscura podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way we have found to make and distribute a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's totally free, which is a huge selling point for us. Second, there are a ton of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. No additional software needed and no complex programs to learn. Once you've recorded your podcast, Anchor will distribute it for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. One of the coolest things is that you can actually make money from your podcast right away. No need to wait to grow your audience as there are no minimum listener requirements to be met, which helps you when you're just starting out. Anchor has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right. Welcome back. Uh, before the break, um, Richard, you were going to tell me a little bit more about the city of Baltimore and all of what that city has gone through with uh, relocation uh, sports teams coming in and out and all of that kind of good stuff. So, Boy, we could go a lot of directions. So yeah. where do you want to start? Pretty Well, uh,
0: pr- first of all, uh, pretty much anything that could possibly happen to a sports team in this whole transient uh, nature of sports and stuff has happened to the city of Baltimore. Yeah, it's true. It's really it should make you really wonder why their nickname is Charm City because <laughs> they have re- had really, really bad luck with sports teams.
1: And I feel bad for, you know, a lot of the fans, you know, I mean recently they haven't had a ton of transient things going in and out, but in their history, you yeah. know, there's there's been some, some rough things that have happened in the city of Baltimore.
0: Particularly when they have a loyal
1: fan base. Without a doubt. I mean The one thing I just popped in my head
0: is, you ever see the movie Diner? Uh, I don't think so, no. Okay, old movie, came out in 82. It has like Paul Reiser and uh, Tom Berenger, I think. and It's a great movie. Barry Levinson, who puts all his films in Baltimore, filmed it in there. And one of the guys, I think it's Paul Reiser, he's getting married. But he actually has a Baltimore Colts quiz that he gives to his (laughs) fiancee. And she
1: has to pass it. So that uh, is awesome. Yeah. So that that's is awesome.
0: That's a really great scene actually. So well,
1: I I mean I, I and I think about the fans, I just think about and i we'll get into some of the specifics in a second, but I think about um, you know, the Baltimore Colts band. Right. You know, that they have been loyal not to the Colts, but to the city of Baltimore. Right. You know, and we'll we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Maybe that's yeah. where we should start. Wanna start football? Let's start
0: football, okay. yeah, because uh I alluded to this before the break about how uh Baltimore had two iterations of the same team, right? And the crazy thing is, uh, what I'm about to say is not the only time the city of Baltimore has had two iterations of the same team. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Baltimore Colts—it's a—they have a very weird history, right? So, the first version of the Baltimore Colts happened in the old All American Football Conference. And this is an instance where they actually had a team move in to Baltimore from a different city. Right. So, the AAFC was a rival to the NFL. It was a post-war uh, rival. And um, they had a team in 1946 called the Miami Seahawks.
1: So, totally different than Seattle.
0: Totally different than Seattle. Right. And uh, they lasted there one year. They stunk. They moved them up to Baltimore. And they became the Baltimore Colts. Okay. They weren't that good either. I mean, nobody was good because they existed four seasons, and the Cleveland Browns won all four titles. Okay, uh, but the Colts were decent enough, the decent enough market to be able to be absorbed into the league when um, the two, when the AAFC moved in or merged in with the NFL in 1950. So you had, um, you know, with the Cleveland Browns and the San Francisco 49ers. The Browns of the 49ers survived. The Browns, oh, not the Browns, but the Colts folded after one year. Right. Okay. So they lasted one year in 1950. They magically appeared again in the NFL in 1953. And that's a whole weird story because if you trace back, you can actually find that the Colts actually connect the 1953 version of the Colts okay. connect to a team that was in Dallas for a year, and a team that was in New York, but that team in New York then was up in Boston, known year for years as the Boston Yanks.
1: Well, so you got the Boston Yanks, and you have like the Dallas, the Texans, Dallas Texans, I think, right?
0: Yeah, and the way uh, it's really described is that uh, Carol Rosenblum bought the remnants of the Dallas Texans.
1: And kind of moved and them moved in into Baltimore into Baltimore, yeah. and kind of rebirths the the Colts because really the Colts by by their their franchise was kind of a ward of the NFL, you know they weren't yeah. really they weren't really playing but they were still like there was like pieces and parts of them were still around. It's a whole weird story. It's weird. We'll have
0: to dig into that in a future episode, but it's it's just a uh, a fascinating thing. So they lasted, of course, and. You probably are aware that they uh, moved to Indianapolis... Right. In 1984, yep. you know, the infamous uh, let's sneak everybody out and all the equipment and all the uh, office stuff in the Mayflower trucks yeah, and those, drive that in the middle of the night. Those famous
1: pictures and, uh, oh, of yeah. the snow coming down, and it's you know, mid-March, and yeah. they just leave in the middle of the night.
0: And kudos to the news crew that actually filmed the Mayflower truck leaving the Baltimore Colts facility because yeah, they, they drive by and it sign. says Baltimore Colts. Right, yeah. It's like that's... That's just terrible, and so uh, obviously, you know, then you have this whole weird thing with Baltimore uh, where, yeah, they had this team that they loved ripped out of the city and moved off, but then they accept a team that had the same exact scenario happen where, you know, the Art Modell ripped the Browns out of Cleveland, put them in Baltimore, yeah, but they didn't become the Colts. They didn't become the Colts, but they became the Ravens. And it's fascinating because you mentioned the band. Yeah. I saw an uh, interview. I think ESPN's Thirty for Thirty mm-hmm. talked to the bands and talked to some of the old band members, and there's a little bit of like guilt, just a slight twinge of guilt. It's like, yeah, we we're Ravens fans, but we know what Browns fans went to because we went through the same thing with the Colts. Yeah. Yeah, and so and
1: the, so the the Baltimore Colts band is now the Ravens band. Yes, it's that same organization, mm-hmm. and so so their roots they they never stopped being the, the the Colts band, and they actually and this will get into some something we'll talk about in a little bit. They actually had another team that they were able to play for when the Canadian football team or football league moved uh, into the U.S. expansion. You want to talk a little bit about that too?
0: Yeah. So uh, there's a wacky two year period. Yeah where the CFL tried to expand in to the U.S. markets. And uh, Baltimore is one of them. They also had Birmingham because every new football league yep. or anything always goes into Birmingham.
1: Yeah, they had Memphis. They had Shreveport. Sacramento. Sacramento. San Antonio. Well, the team from Sacramento moved, moved to, San, to Sh- San Antonio. Oh, yeah. the,
0: move, the team from Shreveport moved to San Antonio.
1: Uh, I think it was Sacramento, but it doesn't really matter for this episode, but we yeah. can keep going.
0: Yeah, so yeah, so they actually went and won a title.
1: and uh, Yeah, they won the Grey Cup. The, that was- the Grey Cup champions, the Canadian Football League champions, were the Baltimore, well, you have to be careful what you call them, right? Yeah. Because they initially wanted to be called the Baltimore CFL Colts. Yeah. And the NFL said, no, 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 we're not going to let you be the Colts. So then they were officially the Baltimore Stallions. I think. Yeah. But I think uh, for a while the the public address announcer would say something like, "And now welcome your CFL or your Baltimore CFL." And everybody would yell "Colts football team." Yep. So they were the Colts and the Baltimore Colts marching band was then the Baltimore CFL Stallions marching band or the yeah. Colts, everybody called them the Colts. Yeah, because Colts band never disbanded. Never disbanded. A band that doesn't disband—that's pretty darn good.
0: That's awesome. I mean, that again, getting back to the whole loyalty of Baltimore sports
1: fans. Right, and they're—they're they're a great bunch of sports fans. They really, really are. Yeah. Now, now, but but before the Ravens moved in, there was another kind of uh, shot at professional football that didn't happen. That's mm-hmm. that's the whole ninety three um, NFL expansion.
0: NFL expansion. So uh, the NFL was looking to expand to uh, you know thirty teams from twenty eight, and there were a few um, cities that were in the running, but everybody had the smart money on two cities: yep. Baltimore yep. and St. Louis. Exactly, because Baltimore had lost the Colts in eighty four. And then the city of St. Louis lost the Cardinals in to Phoenix in 88. And so they thought, well, we're going to go ahead and just give those cities
1: new teams and call it a day. And well, it was going to be the Baltimore Bombers, right. I think, and this, and oddly enough, then the St. Louis Stallions. St. Louis Stallions, yes. They had logos, they had helmets, they had uniforms. They were kind of almost all ready to go.
0: Yeah, and... Really, the St. Louis Stallions, look it up because their uniforms actually look pretty
1: cool. Yeah, I agree. Pretty good yeah. stuff.
0: Um, and as you know, if you watch football, you know that didn't happen because the NFL re-awarded a franchise to Charlotte, North Carolina, and Jacksonville, Florida, and that's why we have the Carolina Panthers and the Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Two cats. Two cats. Could have had a bomber and a stallion, but we got two well, cats. we got two
0: cats, and one of them is named after, like, Half of every high school sports team. I know everybody's yeah. named the Panthers. It's know, so, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> but the crazy thing is, is that's not the only time that Baltimore and St. Louis have uh, entangled,
1: oh, in an expansion draft. But we'll get back. We'll get back to that. Get, little point in a little bit. Yeah. What I wanted to talk about here in this whole football chunk, um, the the whole connection. Between the the owner, Carol Rosenblum right. of the Colts. Now we're talking about the 1953 NFL Colts. Just so that we're, we're right, I'm we're, not even we're sure. sure
0: who owned the 1950
1: Colts. Uh, I think it was just some guy. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, you know. but that. But so he he owned the Colts. Uh, Super Bowl Five, which is also known as the Blunder Bowl or the Blooper Bowl or the Super, Super Bowl. Super Blooper. Yes, yeah, Super Bowl, you know, a lot of bad stuff. That's Colts, Cowboys, Super Bowl Five. The Colts win
0: right? the, the Although, Super Bowl. I got to interrupt you. Yeah, the, the Super Bowl Five, the Super Bowl, the Super Blooper, whatever, it gets all the cr- derision it deserves, but it does have one of the coolest moments ever because that was the year, that was the Super Bowl where a fan ran on the field. And Mike Curtis, the linebacker of the Baltimore Colts, pretty much just closed oh, the guy. That's Right,
1: that's right. So there, anyway, you can go to the Wikipedia page for Super <laughs> Bowl five, and you can find all sorts of just. I mean, there's a there's a record. Dallas had a record ten penalties. Um, you know, there, there is uh, um, a total of 11 turnovers, five turnovers in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was it was a, a rough, rough game. Um, but, you know, Baltimore ends up winning it. Johnny Unitas gets hurt in the second quarter. Um, the only Super Bowl where the most valuable player award was given to a member of the losing team. Yep. You know, and that's Cowboys linebacker uh, Chuck Howley. And he's also the first non-quarterback to win the award up until that point. Uh, makes two interceptions. And you know what's crazy? They did not count sacks or tackles were not a recorded stat. in yeah, Super Bowl five at that's that point.
0: Absolutely nuts. And lest we also forget that the Dallas Cowboys had to wear their blue jerseys. That's right. The curse of the blue jerseys. Absolutely. And the NFL made them wear that.
1: Good for them. I like that. <laughs> um, so anyway, Super Bowl five uh, is the first time that the 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 Vince Lombardi Trophy, as it's being na- as it's named. Was given to the winning team. Now that trophy had existed before, but it was called like the 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 NFL World Champion. I don't know. That had a different name yeah. for, for it. But now they they had rechristened it the the Vince Lombardi Trophy. And uh, Carol Rosenblum um, accepts the trophy, and it's a it's all great. It's all wonderful. Um, but something weird happens in the offseason. In the off season. So this is before free agency. And there's no free agents, uh, you know, so players aren't moving very much. But the owners, if they wanted to, they could just like trade teams with each other, which is which is kind of a bonkers thing. So right. at, at the time, Carol Rosenbloom trades the team. Uh, with a guy named Dan Reeves not the Dan Reeves that you're thinking of of like the the coach of the Broncos not 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 we're not talking that yeah you know uh who was the owner of the then Los Angeles Rams they trade teams so now Carol Rosenblum is the uh the owner of the Rams and this guy Dan Reeves owns the uh the Colts who he ends up uh selling it to it's Jim Ursay or Robert Ursay gosh Robert Ursay. Yeah,
0: Jim owns him now and he's really trying to like he's done a good job of yeah. really just kind of smoothing over the Ursay family legacy with everything that these Yeah,
1: cuz they did some they did some rough things to the city yeah. city of Baltimore. Jim's a good guy. So Bob Ursay now now owns it, but uh Carol Rosenblum is kind of bummed that now he doesn't have that that trophy. So um I don't really want to get into it because we could probably do a whole episode on the the heist of Super Bowl Seven, and we should. And the the whole thing, I'll give you just the short version. In Super Bowl Seven, the lead up to it is going to be in Los Angeles, um, and uh, there's supposed to be this party that happens where they want all of the, the Super Bowl trophies to be on display um, and so Carol Rosenblum talks to the people uh, in Baltimore and says will you bring your Super Bowl trophy and so one of the guys who's working for um, the Colts says well if we bring that trophy we're never going to get it back because I know all about Mr. Rosenblum it's not it's not going to happen he's going to take it and the the GM of the Colts said no that's okay you're going to go ahead and take it because the, the, the Packers are going to bring theirs and the Chiefs are going to bring theirs and the Jets are going to bring theirs so he calls around and nobody's bringing them and in fact that green bay you know basically said you know uh vince lombardi will come out of the grave if we try to bring it there and and so that's not that's (laughs) not going to happen well hard to tell exactly what happens perhaps it was a party here in long beach on the queen mary where rosenblum ends up taking the the trophy but it's never seen again it does not go back to to um to the ball to baltimore so now they don't have a trophy anymore so what happens to super bowl 5 trophy now the ex owner who's now the owner of the rams has the trophy and it's now and it's not on display it's just it's just nowhere um Turns out, one of the guys who was working—this is in a documentary. If you want to watch on ESPN uh, Plus and uh, Peyton's places in the first season, the one all about the, the Lombardi Trophy uh, has a lot of this information. There's more information that I've dug up too. Uh, he goes and he has a meeting with Mr. Rosenblum, actually Rosenblum's son, who now was kind of you know running a few things in the team. And he goes and visits him and ends up uh, visiting him in his sunroom. And on the shelf behind him is the the glowing lombardi trophy from super bowl five and he says wow is what is that the, the lombardi trophy and, and mr rosenblum says no it's just a mirage i'm like what what a what a shady character what a shady character well uh, us who live here in los angeles know there's a lot of shady things that happen with with rosenblum and then he was married to georgia Frontieri, mm-hmm. and then there's an interesting death you know, with with how he dies and she takes over the team and then she moves him to St. Louis. I mean, there's...
0: Yeah, if you want more details on that, watch the movie Major League. Yeah. I'm not even joking because the plot of that where the owner dies and
1: the wife takes control of the team, is kind of what happened to the Rams back in the 90s. Crazy, 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 yeah. crazy. So this is all intertwined in, in Baltimore's story. Well, it, it's crazy that then the Ursay family petitions the NFL to say, can we get a replacement uh, trophy? Um, interesting little side note, the original trophy had, uh, had an omission of one of the people on it, so they made it right. Tiffany's and company makes a new trophy, uh, gives it to the uh, the Baltimore Colts. They pack it up in the Mayflower vans. And they move it to Indianapolis. Uh, People in the city of Baltimore find out about this and they start freaking out. They said, but that's not, you move the team, you kind of, you kind of given up Baltimore. So they actually um, have an injunction, a court injunction, and they uh, get the trophy back. So now the city of Baltimore gets the trophy, but there's no NFL team in baltimore but they have the trophy that nobody wants it nobody has a place for it to be so the fascinating thing is is that the super bowl 5 replacement trophy is now in the basement of babe ruth's birthplace and museum in baltimore <laughs> it's bonkers richard it's bonkers that's absolutely crazy yeah it's it's crazy and and to this day the original super bowl 5 trophy is Technically, MIA.
0: It could be in Long Beach where we're recording this podcast. It could be, yeah.
1: Yeah. Who knows?
0: I'm guessing it's probably
1: Newport. Probably in Newport. It's Newport Beach, yeah.
0: Um, that's just absolutely crazy. Although, with I'm thinking that it's the, the, the city of Baltimore has the trophy, the Lombardi Trophy. Baltimore is also the home of Edgar Allan Poe. They have the Edgar Allan Poe Museum. They should put the basement of Edgar Allen Poe's Museum because their team is the Ravens. The
1: perfect. That, right? would that would be excellent. That'll be excellent. The one thing that's different about the, like the Lombardi Trophy, because the City of Baltimore has also won the Great Cup. You know? Yeah. The Great Cup is not a one that you get to keep. You get you know, the the, the team gets it for, you know, gets the their day with the Cup. Very much like the Stanley Cup. Very much like the Stanley Cup. If you don't know about the Great Cup, very, very similar. I mean, it looks different, but they, they have kind of a similar setup with it and the whole, you know, pomp and circumstance with it. It's really wonderful. But I do find it kind of fascinating. This gets back to to Baltimore. As Baltimore gets the uh, sports fans, gets their hearts ripped out again because the, the their CFL team wins the Grey Cup and moves. Yeah, Move to Montreal, right? Yeah, because the the CFL then uh, their 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 uh, American um experiment, American experiment yeah you know, folds, and all of the teams end up folding except for uh, the the CFL Colts, who actually move back and they, or they move back to can or they move to Canada and uh, they uh, become the third iteration of the Montreal Alouettes, and the team that we know as the Montreal Alouettes today has its roots. in, as the Baltimore CFL Colts Stallions, whatever you want to call, so yeah, if you root for the CFL you know, Alouettes, you have some roots back in in Baltimore. It's 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 bonkers, but there are there's more football. There's more football in Baltimore.
0: Yes, there is because there was the lovely little league back in the '80s called the United States
1: Football League, love, the USFL. Love the USFL. Love it so much.
0: Yeah, and I really think that if people wouldn't have meddled with. Their progress, I think they would have, at the very least, would emerged a few teams into the NFL.
1: Yeah, and that there's a there's a fascinating ESPN thirty for thirty. There uh, absolutely is about the USFL,
0: and I recommend you
1: watch it. Yep. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Absolutely, I don't want to say anymore. But there was there was a team in Philadelphia, and they were the Philadelphia Stars. Yes, And then they moved to Baltimore and became the Baltimore Stars. For the
0: 1985 season.
1: Yeah, and what I found fascinating, I was doing a little bit of research, they could not play in Memorial Coliseum because the Baltimore Orioles, who were the primary tenant, told them no.
0: That's weird. I mean, was that because they had a grudge over the Baltimore Colts? Because the Colts shared the same stadium.
1: They did. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't really know. I know there's there's another big beef between the Orioles and the Baltimore Colts at one point when there was a, a, a Colts game that was played on a Monday night. And they actually had to move the field like thirty yards north, so they wouldn't be on the the, the uh... what? Right, it's it, there's, a, there's a Monday night football. What day. in the? What's happening? I know. How do I not know this? There's a Monday night football <laughs> game where the uh, the 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 goalposts that are in the enclosed part of Memorial Coliseum are on the other side, like the second base side of, of the pitching mound. And so, cause that's, I mean, it was an open end stadium and the, and so they moved everything to that far end. So if you had, you know, seats in the enclosed part, yeah. you're a long way to see from seeing that, but it was because they had an agreement about playing on Sundays uh-huh, so, and there, and when they started on Monday Night Football, and then the Colts got a Monday night football game, the Orioles says, no, you can't you can't tromp all all over the infield, all that kind of stuff, so they made them, yeah, it's fascinating. I'll send you a link to that that's, that's what I, what so bizarre, yeah,
0: oh my gosh that's that's hysterical,
1: all right, football, so. lots of craziness, Baltimore in football, moving yeah. in, moving out right now, you got the Ravens. Um, you know they've won a couple of Super Bowls. Yep. It's good. The Colts, a longtime Colts fans, got another Super Bowl. You know, a little bit In later. Indy, yeah. so, so Indy has a has a trophy as that. Um, who knows if they'll ever get um, you know another iteration of, of what a fourth iteration of the Colts?
0: Right. I so, don't know third.
1: Yeah, crazy. Or
0: no fourth because oh three and a half because the CFL Colts really don't count. Yeah, not the a, stallions they were never officially the cfl Colts. so yeah correct, correct yeah um and you know you mentioned Colts championships don't forget you know they won a couple in the uh pre-super bowl days absolutely including the great uh uh and the greatest game we played in the 58 championship which uh got some of the feed knocked out because somebody kicked the uh, plug
1: <laughs> that's right i remember hearing yes about that. but
0: that's another thing so Uh, Yeah, so obviously we cover football, but let's go over to basketball because basketball is a sport that I don't think people of a certain age, uh, like maybe 30 and under, necessarily realize that uh, Baltimore had a basketball team.
1: Yeah, there's a deep history.
0: Yeah, and they are yet another team that had two iterations of the same team. So... Um, the Baltimore Bullets, and if that name sounds familiar, that's because um, you know where they actually wind up going um, because they move right down the road in Washington, but this particular franchise is not that one. This one started in a rival league uh, that eventually turned into uh, or absorbed into what is now the modern uh, NBA. I think it was called the A. AAB, All-American Basketball or something like that. Okay. Um, and so they existed um, from uh, 1949 to 1955. Um, and here's the craziest way they exited the league. They folded, but they folded after they had played 14 games in the 1955 season. And the record was? Three and eleven.
1: Well maybe they should have folded. So it up they that. stunk?
0: Well, the first warning sign was they had a guy that had won Rookie of the Year the year before, and they traded him to the Knicks in the offseason. Either the Knicks or the Warriors. And so they got rid of their best player and now,
1: now young people, at this point the Warriors are not in Golden State. They're in Philadelphia. They're in Philadelphia, which is another whole Oakland uh, right, uh, connection. Oklahoma, Philadelphia, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: and so, so the craziest thing is, so they fold after 14 games, they cancel the rest of their games. NBA has a decision to make. Now, this is a young, fledgling uh, league that's only been around less than a decade, so they don't have really the pageantry of the history that the modern NBA does. And so they decide, well... Let's just pretend that they didn't actually exist that year.
1: <laughs> How convenient.
0: They, and that's serious, they actually wiped out all of the stats uh, that the, from every Bullets game. So not only the Bullets stats, but whoever played them. So we're talking, you know, teams whoever played them, like that could have been the Knicks, the Celtics, the Lakers, you know, all these uh, well-known teams. So... So there's no, ball, there's no basketball in Baltimore until 1963 when they get a, another team that moves in from a different city to Baltimore, a team that was known as the Chicago Zephyrs, okay. which formerly was known as the Chicago Packers. okay. So they switched from the Packers to the Zephyrs, and then they moved to Baltimore in 63, 1963 and became the Baltimore Bullets again. And this time they had a little more success than the team that folded out for 14 games. Yep, that's true. They had some Hall of Fame players yep. like Wes Unseld and Elvin Hayes, I think, was on the mm-hmm. team. Uh, Earl of Pearl Monroe. They actually went to the 71 NBA Finals where they got destroyed by the Milwaukee Bucks with a young Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yep. Um, and they were successful uh, in that time, but then they moved after the 1972 season uh, down the road to Washington, but they did not become the Washington Bullets. They, for one season, for some weird reason, they were known as the Capitol Bullets. Yeah, not Washington Bullets, but yeah, Capitol, Capitol Bullets. So go Capital. Yeah, Capital. That's just weird. And I got to see if that was the same year that uh, the Warriors changed their name from the San Francisco Warriors to the Golden State Warriors. Mm. Because... That might have been the thing that they were doing back then. It was like, hey, let's just go by region. Yeah. Or just nickname, because I know the New England Patriots were the Boston Patriots, but they changed their name to New England in 1971. So that may have been the thing to do back then in the
1: early 70s. Los Angeles Angels, California Angels, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of maybe another similarity of that, of that ilk.
0: Yep. Oakland Seals, California Golden Seals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just. Really, really weird. But then, you know, obviously they moved out of Washington moved into Washington, where they wound up having really good success. Uh, in the seventies, they wound up going to three more finals and won the seventy eight uh,
1: title over Seattle. Um, I, I, remember, I remember that they had great uniforms too. I'm glad that they've brought them back. Yeah, the, their new uniforms are actually pretty good. I don't really watch NBA very much, but I've I've I put my eye on those uniforms. They look sharp.
0: They're great, and the main thing you need to know about. Washington these days is Bradley Beal deserves better.
1: But uh, the guy's a scoring machine, and, he, well, and that and, team stinks. And the one thing we haven't talked about is that they did change their name. They did. so, And they became the Wizards. The Wizards, yeah.
0: Because maybe uh, naming your basketball team uh, the Bullets when your city has one of the highest crime rates yep. in the nation,
1: probably not a good idea. Well, and so. and that's uh, one of those weird things that that's where where Michael Jordan ends up his end of his career, right? You know, we could probably do a whole episode on on those you know those famous Un- famous uh, athletes where they ended their career. You know,
0: unfortunate sports jerseys. Yes, you know, yeah. like the dark side of Mitchell and Ness. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know that reference. The Mitchell and Ness is the ones that do all the really good throwback jerseys. Oh, got it. Yeah. You know, so So that would be... Johnny Unitas
1: Chargers jersey. Joe
0: Namath with the Rams. Yeah. You know, all... Yeah, that kind of... Jordan with the... uh, With the Wizards. With the Wizards, that kind of stuff.
1: Gretzky with the Blues. Grusky with the Blues,
0: yeah, for like 15
1: minutes. Yeah, it was not very long. Messier
0: though. with the, oh, I'm not going to finish that because everybody in Vancouver, if they actually hear this, will send us hate mail. <laughs> yeah, we don't need so, any hate yeah. mail for Vancouver. <laughs> that, is, yeah. that
1: is for sure.
0: Yeah. So, so speaking I, of hockey, perfect. Perfect. oh, wait, you were going to say no, something? please. So uh, Baltimore has never had an NHL team. Um, they were considered a good potential market for them. I will say they do have, they have had minor league hockey. They have one of the greatest, uh, I, I, I one of the greatest nicknames for any team. An old ECHL franchise known, known as the Baltimore Skipjacks.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's a great, you know, yeah. I'm just glad they weren't the crab cakes or something yeah, like that.
0: I don't even know what a skipjack is, but the name is fish. just, I think it is a fish, yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure, yeah, you, I'm pretty sure you're right. But that's just a great name.
1: Well why, um, why? Why didn't they ever? I mean, you would think that that would well, that hockey would be good there.
0: It would. I mean, and obviously with the success of the
1: Capitals uh,
0: yeah. and their uh, fan base, that that would prove that. But funny you should say that. So there's a story behind there, okay. and it goes back to the great expansion of 1967. So yep. NHL is looking to expand from six game from six teams to twelve teams. And uh, they're looking at American markets, and they have essentially five teams or five markets already plotted out. You got Los Angeles and San Francisco because they wanted two teams on the West Coast. Makes sense. They had Philadelphia and Pittsburgh picked out just because, you know, they're just close to markets and cities where the league and the original six were working well. And then. Um, you had the Minnesota North Stars, which makes sense because totally. hockey country, hockey country, yep. state of hockey, etc. So that leaves it down to there are three cities that were they were looking at, and the first city was Cleveland, and that kind of dropped off. Um, so after they kind of bat out, you were left with two team, two cities, St. Louis and Baltimore. We've been down this road before, Richard. We already have, in this yes. Episode. So before the Baltimore Bombers and the St. Louis Stallions, you had St. Louis and Baltimore vying for that last market, and the 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 um, smart money was that Baltimore was going to get a team. Sure, um, I actually read that. Uh, there's this legendary crotchety old. Uh, a sports writer from the Toronto Globe and Mail, Dick Beddoes, And look up Dick Beddoes on YouTube because this guy is like everybody's crotchety, cranky grandfather that hates everything. (laughs) And he's kind of fascinating. And um, so he had inside information pretty much saying, yeah, Baltimore is going to get that
1: franchise. Well, enter Dollar Bill Wurtz. Oh, yeah. So tell, just, I mean, we don't, we could do another whole episode on Bill Wurtz. Well, we're going to do an episode on Bill Wurtz.
0: So Bill Wurtz, longtime owner of the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. He made his money in the uh, booze industry. Uh, His son, Rocky Wurtz owns the team now, but this guy nearly killed NHL hockey in Chicago. Yeah. Um, most famously, he actually blacked out all of the Blackhawks, uh, home games on TV because he thought people needed to go to the stadium and see them play. Um, but yeah, we'll get into that. So this guy obviously is all about the money. Sure. Right. Because he wanted ticket revenue. He wanted people to go to the games and stuff like that. And he was cheap, you know, uh, that's another story. He actually cost somebody a shot at breaking the NHL consecutive games record. No,
1: oh, because yeah. he was Steve
0: Ormer because he wouldn't pay him a contract extension. So anyway, so this guy in 66, he owns an arena in St. Louis, the St. Louis Arena primarily used for uh rodeo.
1: Yeah, horse show. There's shows. a
0: horse show and like I think a rodeo went through. And so it was falling apart, it was dilapidated and it was kind of a money pit. He wanted to get rid of it. So he knew that there was a a group out of St. Louis that wanted a team, the Solomon family, I think it was a father-son, and um, he made a – he brokered a deal with them, and he said, I will support your bid for an NHL franchise if you buy the arena off of us for $4 million. Oh, my gosh, that's so much money in those days. Yeah, and so the Solomons went for it, and they said, yeah, we'll buy the arena – And because Wurtz is like, hey, you you own the arena, your team can play there. And so they went for it, and Wurtz then used his muscle as an original sixth owner and lobbied hard to get the NHL to give St. Louis the team over Baltimore, and it worked. And that's how he got the St. Louis Blues, and, you know, that's why you kind of have that rivalry the way you do with the Blackhawks and Blues because the Blackhawks kind of said kind of set it up to make sure that they were kind of like the blues older brother in a way.
1: Yeah. You know, and then try to beat up on them all the time. So, so that actually gets into one of the early earliest uh, corporate naming um, arenas. You know, because they ended yeah. up calling it the the Purina Checker Dome. Yep. You know, because Purina uh, dog dog food um, is one of the was the the corporate sponsor of that arena. Yeah. And everybody just called it the Checker Dome, and in the four corners of it, it they put the the Purina logo. It was at that place looked beautiful, but was a dump. Yeah. It was just a. They dump.
0: did a great job of making it look good from the outside, but and that whole Purina St. Louis Blues thing—that's a whole story altogether. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's it. That's another deep dive.
0: Yeah, how you know that 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 tune in uh, in the future because we'll tell you how Purina dog chow cost the St. Louis Blues Steve Eiserman
1: Yeah, that's but, a, uh, that's a fascinating story. <laughs> fascinating. Good good tease, Richard.
0: That's a good tease. But yeah, so so Baltimore because Dollar Bill Wirtz, uh screwed everybody up for his best interests. Baltimore did not have does not have a team. And they thought that they might get a team in the 1970 expansion, but then the NHL went to a, a Buffalo and Vancouver, and then by the time 74 rolled around, the NHL gives the team to Washington, D.C., get the Capitals, and that pretty much freezes Baltimore out of the NHL market.
1: Yeah, because they're not going to put the two teams that close to each other.
0: No, although, no. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: just not going to work.
0: Yeah, although, no, because... You know, they did that with Anaheim, with the Kings. Yeah. But L.A. and Anaheim is not Baltimore and Washington. That's very true. But Baltimore at least got the skipjacks.
1: The skipjacks. We're back again. All right. Um, We basically only have one other big main sports, and this is a biggie. This is huge because this would be the Baltimore Orioles,
0: and this would be the third time that the, the city of Baltimore had Two iterations of the same team. Yeah,
1: so Baltimore Orioles, original. Tell us about them.
0: Yeah, so the Baltimore Orioles, the original version of the uh, Orioles, um, started back in the 19th century. So uh, 1882, uh, they actually were part of the then newly, they existed for 10 years. And then 1892 rolls around, and they get invited to join the newly formed National League. Okay. So, yeah, so the Baltimore Orioles were originally part of the, the National, National League. League, okay. Well, they got contracted out of the National League in 1899 uh, because they were going to form this tighter league and get, get it down to eight teams, and Baltimore was one of the teams that was on the outs. So the Orioles still in existence under uh, then uh, manager, player, and part owner
1: John McGraw. Uh, you should know that name, people.
0: Yeah, he's one of the most fascinating people of early baseball's early years. Uh, so they wind up joining the American League in 1901. Me, and they play one uh year in Baltimore. But then they moved to New York. Now, there's a whole convoluted story about how the other owner of the Orioles was moving to – there's rumors that he wanted to move the team to New York. McGraw caught those rumors and then immediately jumped and uh, got himself involved in the New York Giants organization and essentially took a lot of the Baltimore Orioles players with him and pretty much stripped the uh, Baltimore Orioles, which – then just allowed what was left of the Orioles to move up to New York to become the New York Highlanders <laughs> in 1902. In 1913, they adopted a name that you might be familiar with, the New York Yankees.
1: Yeah. So well, a lot of even Yankee fans maybe not don't know the, the, their team's history that actually started as the Baltimore Orioles.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, Baltimore Orioles fans hate to tell you this, but you know, the whole Jeffrey Meyer thing where the, uh, you know, in the playoff where the 12 year old reached over. Yeah. He was actually helping the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) The first, the The first Baltimore Orioles. Well,
0: obviously the second iteration then comes much later in 1966 and they. uh, they used to be the St. Louis Browns, and I think Seth, you have
1: quite a bit to talk about the uh, St. Louis Browns. Well, once again, St. Louis and Baltimore seem to share some sort of a cosmic sports connection. They really do. You know, um, 19, 1966, the St. Louis Browns, the American League, you know, they were sharing um, not only a city but a stadium with the 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 Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And for for the most part, St. Louis is a Cardinals town. Still is a Cardinals town. Um, you know, love them or hate them, they're they're you know they're the the they're the most uh, they're the nicest group of baseball fans that lots of people hate. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, different than like Yankee fans where really you like whatever, and then, you know, or Red Sox fans or whatever. But it's like, oh, they're just super nice. But it's like, I don't really like you very much. And they don't, you don't like me. Anyways, that's another whole story. Yeah. I have lots of St. Louis uh, uh, Cardinals fans uh, in my life. so They've kind be, of like the Green Bay Packers. I, great. I have to be careful about what I say. Um, but uh, this whole connection was amazing. In fact, the Browns and the Cardinals played in the World Series. 1944. And it was the only World Series that was played in one stadium. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, I guess, take it back. Last year. Last, last year. Last year was the second time. The second
0: time. But, you know, the Browns and the Cardinals didn't need a pesky uh, global pandemic to get the job done. Correct.
1: They just did it naturally. Yeah, they, they
0: just didn't... needed a you know, global uh, wartime conflict. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> So I guess the thing is, if you really want two teams to play in the same stadium, just have some sort of war, pestilence, or global catastrophe. And they'll still play there forever? Yeah.
1: Well, that actually gets me into something, and and I think we're going to have to wrap this episode up, but I want to use this as a springboard to our next episode. Yes. Um, In fact, that 1966 move of the St. Louis Browns to Baltimore. to I take that back. It's 1956. 56, okay. 66 is they play the Dodgers uh, in the World Series. Got it. And they won. So that move of the, of the Orioles to, or, or the Browns to uh, Baltimore to become the Orioles almost didn't happen because I, I, was, I was reading um, a, an amazing uh, a piece that came out uh, right at the end of 2020, and, and I'll, I'll share it with you in just a little bit. Um, but the, the, this article thought maybe we could play a little game. Want to play a game, Richard? You up for that?
0: Yes, but before we play the game, I just realized I screwed up the whole move again. Oh, what'd you, do? what'd you do? They moved to uh, Baltimore in 54, not 56.
1: All right. Whatever. So, 54.
0: Yeah. I just say that because I know there's probably one guy out there that's listening that's probably going to like uh, message me and say, dude, get your factory.
1: I know. So 54. Yeah. So they move in 54. 54. Got it. Um, but in fact, that move in 54 almost didn't happen because uh, the, the Browns, the St. Louis Browns were ready to move to Los Angeles really Los Angeles and they were going to move for the 1942 season okay and it's a fascinating story and i think that story if or, or if that would have happened it would have changed the landscape of sports especially in baseball across um, across the entire country, I think different dominoes don't fall. Different other teams don't move, or if they move, they go different places. So I, I want to play. I want to play a little game with you in our next episode. Is uh, if the St. Louis Browns actually move to Los Angeles, how does that change the face of baseball?
0: I think it dramatically changes it, yeah. and I think, uh, yeah, F- I. I, I the first thing I think it was. Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you my first thing. You guys tune in to the next episode. <laughs>
1: well I think we have our next episode then so um, I want to make sure that uh, you guys come back for more so if you liked our ramblings today all about Baltimore our connections with St. Louis we got a huge connection uh, with St. Louis it actually affects the city of Baltimore uh, when you really come down to it and we're going to talk about the the Browns and their potential move uh, to Los Angeles Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening today this has been a fantastic time let me get my notes out here we go If you want to quibble with us, you know, the the date of the uh, the Browns move to I mean, I don't know why. To Baltimore. (laughs) I can't believe I blew that. Come on. (laughs) Uh, Or if you have a topic idea for us, you just want to chat, you want to agree, disagree, whatever, you can send us an email, athleticobscura at gmail.com. And if you're like me, you don't have no idea how to spell that. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, Please subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Tell your friends. Share on social media. Uh, rate and comment that helps us out a lot you can actually support our con our podcast financially there is a link to help us uh financially in the show notes click on that it will go through a couple of different steps that's going to help us uh once we get a bunch of uh, supporters uh i haven't told rich this we're going to send you some swag I have no idea what that's going to be. Swag, huh? Yeah, we haven't designed, we haven't developed it. Maybe it will be a
0: Baltimore Shacks jersey.
1: Perfect. That'd be great. Right? All right. <laughs> so we'll have some sort of a, a swag. We probably need a, a name for our fan base, too. So if you got a good name for uh, Athletic uh, Obscura fans, you can drop us a line. Because Obscura Heads just doesn't work. Obscura Heads no, No. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can contact us as well. We'll get the ball rolling on that. Don't forget to check out Anchor.fm for all your podcast needs. And I guess that brings us to the end of the business for this episode here. Um, until next time, uh, we invite you for another discussion of the weird, strange, and unknown in sports. Last thoughts? Um, 1954. Dang it. 54? Yeah, 54. Yeah, that's when
0: the Browns moved to the or- <laughs> uh, to Baltimore.
1: I, that's what I've heard. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll see everybody. Good night. Bye.